G'day guys and welcome to episode 34 of the Bradley J. Driver Experience. It's an absolute pleasure to be here and if you're tuning in, I want to say thank you. I'm excited for today's guest because this guy is, I guess, the best way to put it, an all-rounder. We're talking footy player, played in the NRL for the Sydney Roosters, played in France, you know, had a couple caps for Fiji, his, his father's heritage nation, and he's done a whole lot more too. He's a father of four He's a current ninja warrior and he's probably the most famous garbage man in the country. This guy has an awesome story. He's a humble dude and he's got an insane rig too. So it'd be good to get a few tips and see if I can get the body looking sharp for summer. Ladies and gentlemen, Aloni Vinikithi. How are you, brother? Good, mate. Thanks for having me on. Hi, all. Um, Thanks for having me on, mate. And uh, yeah, looking to share a bit of what I do as a Yes, I'm just an all-rounder, mate, like you said. No, jack of all trades, master, definitely master of none. So <laughs> just always trying to add to the skill set wherever I can. So, yeah, wherever we end up, we'll, we'll, we'll end up there eventually. But, um, yeah, just trying to add to that skill set wherever I can. <laughs> Thanks, I'm everyone. Looking forward, I'm looking forward to diving into it all. You first come across my radar. I'm a Chook supporter, man. So I grew up my whole life as a Chooks yeah, boy. And I know you, you were born in Chooks ter- Territory in Paddington, right? Yeah, mate, born in Paddington. Um, yeah, so I don't have much say matter, but Mama would be nice to to have us all there. My, all my brothers and sisters were, were born there. Um, yeah. yeah. So East East Rooster Rooster's baby, little little chick, I guess it was. Yeah. Hundred percent. Born and bred. Brother, I was I was born into it too. Like I was obviously born here in Wollongong, but my I was born with cystic fibrosis, and at the time, my old boy heard that Brad Fitler was putting money towards CF every point he scored. Basically, money went towards CF, and that was good enough a reason for my old boy to jump from supporting the Steelers to the Chooks. And mate, I just I just grew up and, and loved the Roosters. So as a young guy watching plenty of footy and then sort of seeing you, you come across on, I think it was the footy show one time where you were ready to make your debut, and the story was that this guy works a full-time job gets up at insane hours, sleeps three or four hours a night, and he's about to make his professional NRL debut. And I guess the story for me, it really sort of hit home because, you know, my old boy didn't play in the NRL. He played first grade locally and he was working like three jobs at the time. And so for me, it was like, it's old school. I love it. Yeah, it it was old school. Look, I... My, my parents are both workers. My old boy came across from Fiji with 60 bucks in his back pocket. My mum's from uh, central north um, rural Victoria, pretty much in a okay. small town called uh, Sananda. So I uh, just, I guess that, that blue collar was, was in the, was just in the genetic makeup. So had to, had to work and had to work hard to, for, for an opportunity. And I guess that's what I just, I did until that opportunity came. It was pretty long winded for me to, to get around the chooks. Um, I actually had to travel all the way around the world to end up meeting Trent Robinson pretty much when I thought the, the opportunity was, was lost. Um, uh, and pretty cool that it finally got to come to fruition and playing in the NRL. Um, I'd like to think that's not the end of the journey for myself now, but it was a pretty cool achievement to look back on and um, I hold him pretty high regard in terms of uh, what I've done so far and look to build on the back of that and carry it on to whatever comes next. Definitely. It's, Interesting what you just said there. You said you hope it's not the end of the journey yet. Do you say that in the sense of footy or do you say that in the sense of just life itself? 
No, I love itself, mate. I love itself. I, I was lucky enough to to get to coach uh, in the Raiders system uh, last season, and, and we played yep. round one. Uh, I was actually running the on-field trainers role, the the orange shirt role for Raiders reserve grade in at Mounties, and was coaching there. And due to Corona, the season was cut short, so um, I had an opportunity now to apply my um, coaching skills elsewhere and looking at upskilling that field and and sort of help out other people wherever I can. Like you touched on in the little intro before, um, I'm all about sort of seeing people optimise themselves and, and better themselves and grow um, from from my end uh, in terms of advice would be through strength, mate. Like just constantly like grow and strengthen yourself and you, you will better yourself. So that's where I'm looking to sort of head down in that, that field, that path um, in terms of coaching. Um, Looking to get myself a little space at the moment and uh, awesome. trying to help it as many people as I can. So that's sort of what looks is what's looking like what could be next for me. So that's I'm trying to get a real kick out of helping people. So yeah, that's good to hear. Still yeah, early that's... days, but um, yeah, yeah it's, it's cool. nice to wake up and do something every day that puts a smile on your face. Like that's been the real, I guess, the realization for me in 2020 is like if you can do something every day that makes you feel good and you know you're doing something that's helping people. That's a whole man. It's worth more than money. You know, money's important. Um, you know, you need it to live, especially as, as a lad with four kids at home. Um, you need money to survive and to live. But if you do something every day that has a bit of meaning and holds meaning to you, it's a, it's a game changer. For sure, mate. For sure. A lot of people get, like, struggle to get a little... I just read the book, The Alchemist, mate. Kobe Bryant's favourite book. Yeah, I, re- I read that and I was, three months his ago. His favourite book and, a, and a, such a great book, man. It's, it there's so many little indicators of, in life. Like, listen to your heart, man. It tells you, it tells you, it directs you. Um, it's, the, it's the compass, mate, that points you in the right direction. So every day you'll come across something that sort of, like, um, ignites you in some way. So just keep following that path. You'll, you stumble a heap of times where you eventually get to, to what you need to get to or what, what, you, what your heart's telling you to head towards. So yeah, just keep finding ways to tap into that and yeah, you'll, you'll live a fruitful life. 100%. Hey, let's talk about the early days. Let's talk about the footy journey. Um, where did you play most of your football growing up? All right, growing up. So I started footy with Pencehurst West. Uh, no, sorry, Pencehurst RSL. I went to Pencehurst West Public School. Okay. But uh, in school there, I, I met a mate and he, um, my dad was always a footy player. Mum's heavy at AFL fan coming okay. from Victoria. Uh, a schoolmate of mine asked, mate, do you want to play footy? I, I didn't really care for it, to be honest. Um, so I jumped in the under sixes. Mum said, yeah, that'd be not a bad idea. Jumped in, started playing under sixes with uh, Pencehurst um, RSL. And uh, played there for a few years, started playing rugby union, chopping back and forth as well. So I think under 10s, I started playing rugby union. I was a fullback slash winger. Hey, um, quick man. play any positions as a, as a... Yeah, I'm Fijian, mate. I'm fast as. Well, <laughs> I was fast until they threw me in the front row. Uh, uh, so, yeah, mate, my folks split when we were pretty young, uh, when I was nine, I think. So um, I, we stayed with mum, my brother and sister, and I, we stayed with mum, moved down to Cronulla. Um, so was playing a bit of league down there, uh, just for school. Oh, I always suck at <laughs> explaining the timeline of this story, but... That's guess, just too uh, much of a timeline. Yeah, man. No, uh, so, come year, I think it was year seven, started high school at Holy Cross Rider, uh, at Balmain. Uh, yeah. Is it like a local... Buddy? 
so we've had some great, great footy players come out of that school. I'm pretty, really proud to say that I went to school there. Um, year seven, I was playing rugby league and rugby union, doubling up on both. And seven days a week, mum was having to drag, drag me around to different footy training fields and parks. And it was literally Monday train for reps. I think it was Tigers reps training. Tuesday was school footy training. Wednesday was uh, weekend league training. Thursday was play footy. Friday was train for rugby. Saturday, play rugby. Sunday, play league. And then yeah, after year that, mum got pretty jack of that. I was like, all right, pick one sport. We're just sticking with one. So I stayed with rugby union, funnily enough. I stayed with rugby union for a couple okay. of years. Took, uh, from 14 to 16. And I took up rowing. So the jack of all trades, I guess. Um, <laughs> Bro, rowing is tough. So hard, man. Boxing and rowing are two of the <laughs> hardest sports in the world, yeah. mate. So, Bloody eyes. Um, yeah. Rowing is real, real good fun. Look, that, where sort of some of my discipline stuff towards my training came from rowing, we got up at 4.30 in the morning. Uh, look, I didn't have a license at the time. It was probably just 10, 15, 16 when I started. So mum, again, had to drag, drag my ass around everywhere. Uh, she would take me down to Abbotsford um, Sydney Rowing Club every morning and we'd, yeah, we'd race up and down Parramatta River against all the, the GPS schoolboys. And uh, we were, the crew that we had were, were as a non-rowing sort of, background as a mixed bag of, of boys from different schools so we, we formed a little crew and would race against zero all the other schools uh, after training at about sort of 7 38 in the morning they would drive us across the river in a tinny and we'd walk up to school so yeah wow. um early starts but the discipline learned from that i guess to, to be any good at rowing you got to put in a shitload of reps so from a from a real young age at about 15 years old, I took up sort of lifting weights and stuff as well. So it all sort of yeah. tied into my training. I, I really looked at Arnold Schwarzenegger as a as a, uh, as, a as an idol of mine. My, my stepdad, yeah. Andy, showed me him when I was a kid. And so, gee, there was this bloke and just pretty much emulated him through as many arm kills and bloody bench press sessions as I could. Seemed to do the job, brother. Um, <laughs> Oh, yeah, in terms of rounding my bloody shoulders, I, I've got to correct all the imbalances that I've created throughout yeah. my body now. But, um, yeah, look, at just, again, a little, little fire. And, yeah, I guess I, I took on all those little... I, look, t- touching back on the outcomes before, my sort of... My heart was saying, go that way. So, um, you know, I've stuck with it ever since. I think it's been almost, yeah, almost 20 years lifting weights now and having fun and I've got to do a heap of cool things on the back of doing all that. So yeah, I'm just going to stick with it. And so you got, you for you, you were sort of, I heard you were playing a bit of, you were with the Tigers, with their squad and you just didn't get the chance yeah. to play the footy that you wanted to play there, even though you felt you were ready to, to be in that side. And so then you, you went over to France? Yeah, so... Uh, under 18s, playing for Holy Cross Rhinos. After all that rowing and uh, stopping playing league for a few years, my mates in school when I was in 12, um, I, was actually, I was playing, so, sorry, year 11, 2004, I was playing footy and they just wouldn't pick me for our for our A grade team. And I was like, I just wanted to make this team. I got this sort of, just this chip on my shoulder. I was like, I'm going to prove you wrong because you're not picking me. So I just applied, I just doubled down on my training application to myself in my training. That um, enabled me to get picked in a, in a game we actually played on TV. We played against Chifley, 
Chifley College, I think it was in school, mate. I think they, I think they pumped us thirty four ten or something. We got made a fun of on national TV. So that was a, that was a nice sort of uh, introduction to the higher exposure side of footy. So I thought yeah. I right, double down on this on this training stuff. Uh, the next year, one uh, played in our under eighteen side. Uh, actually working at Macca's and the boys on a Sunday and the boys like, I'll oh, come, come play, come play. My mate's dad was a coach. He's like, mate, I'll pay your wage. Just come and just come play footy with us. So I said, oh, all right. You ended up paying me. But um, I, I substituted my my working role for, for jumping on the footy field. Yeah. And um, had a run, had a run, had a laugh with the boys. I was a back rower in school, but jumped into the centres. Actually, funny enough, that year we um, lined up against Skidzy, Sean Kenny Dow. He was playing for yeah. Crocs. And I was playing for Holy Cross Rhinos, um, which <laughs> 200 NRL games from later we played side by side, which is pretty cool. A little sort of uh, full circle moment. But um, yeah, we lined up against each other under 18s. Uh, that year I ended up getting a stress fracture in my leg because stupid me didn't take footy boots to to um, to train with me. I was just training me. I used to have these big steel cap work boots and would train in those thinking that that'd be fine. I ended up giving myself, giving myself a stress fracture. So... Uh, grand final day was we won the grand final, but my leg was busted come the last round of the year. I think we won this, this hot streak of like a thirty, I think it was a thirty-six game winning streak or something like that. Combined, so our school side was pretty much our weekend side as well. We we blitzed our weekend comp. Um, yeah. Our school week comp, we we smashed everyone too. I mean, we we played in the in the B grade comp, in the second, the not strongest comp. Played against. Uh, anyway, right, it was a good year, right? We had yeah. we had a, we had a but a great year, so I, I thought, oh, well, let's see how this footy stuff pans out. Um, I was lucky enough, my school teacher, Tim White, was um, uh, was, our, was our school coach, but also was in the, the Tiger system, uh, an assistant in the Jersey flag system, so the under-20s. Um, so I was lucky enough to sort of bypass the whole trial system because I hadn't played any junior reps. I, I, n- I never played Harrow Mouths. I never played SG Ball, which is your, your under-16s, under-18s, your stepping stones into... Yeah. I didn't play any Aussie schoolboys either. That was all usually uh, stepping stones and pathways. So, it's like for kids that, that don't, I guess I'm a poster boy for, for kids who, who haven't made it. Like, if you don't make that Aussie schoolboy side or the New South Wales side or whatever side you want to uh, class yourself as not making, it's not the barrel and end all. I was lucky enough to play alongside Ben Tio, who was the, the best schoolboy player at the time, went on to win an accolade, heap of accolades. And, playing Origin and yeah. being an enforcer for South Sydney. And I came through the opposite side of the system that he did and still went on to, to go and play. At, um, I played national level and played NRL just through not going through those pathways as well. So it's a cooler thing. Yeah, for, for any young kids out there watching and stuff, it's a, it's not the bell and all if you don't make it. So, um, 100%. That's and that's hard for a lot of kids. No, yeah, it, it is hard. I mean, it's... It's not all sunshine and rainbows for for everyone, but sometimes that can that can be a defining moment and um and they help you become the person who you're intended to become. 100%. So, yeah, the, the I hate using the cliche of the journey, but sometimes the the journey just makes it a lot more sweet when you. One hundred percent, and I think it builds. Finally, do make it, and even if you do what you're going to, you have that aim towards. Yeah, exactly right. So that, what's that old saying? The aim for the aim for the moon, shoot for the stars. You never know where you end up. So yeah, it's a hundred percent. It just builds resilience. Say so, but it works. 
for sure, mate, for sure, for sure. So then you find yourself... You're going to come across some heavy intense. Definitely. So yeah. you find yourself... Oh, all right, I'll, I'll just... <laughs> yeah. Uh, basically, my second year of Tigers, no real prospect of... Well, in terms of money, too, like, but my first year of Tigers, in under-20s, no money back then. Well, Tigers, anyway. Um, it cost me money to play footy. Um, just getting the training and stuff. But, yeah. Uh, what I was paid in that Tigers, um, not so great. But for me, that, that sort of just said to me, all right, stuff it. Money's not going to be the, the be on and all on my play. Any money that I get is going to be a bonus. So my first year of footy, um, lucky enough, really early on, I was, I was thrown in. But look, it was just my determination and, and, and I guess, will. I just need to prove a point and show them that I could play. And round, I think it was round two or round three, they ended up starting me at front row. <laughs> in pre-season I said to him I said oh mate what position I'm going to play I'm usually a centre or back row and he said no nah, man why don't you play in the front row um, I don't know what your your audience is like on the footy but front row is basically uh, I'd like to think you're your harder position on the field there's only like 100%. certain types of players that can do it so um, when you hear that as a kid when you grow up playing in a position out wide you think okay uh, that's going to be a bit harder anyway so in my head was like alright it's, it's an opportunity to play. So I said, if I want to play fullback, I don't want to play front row, I don't care, I'll just take it. So I said to him, so my coach said, mate, what do I do? Um, he goes, mate, just catch a ball and run straight, run straight and hard. He goes, what, what you do? He goes, you do that best, so just do that. So um, i got to start with uh, the Jersey flag side. And um, actually, we had Sammy Moe playing in that side. Yeah. Um, Rangy Chase. Yeah, we had... We had, yeah, we had some great players on that side. Um, ben Terry played on that side too. So yeah. uh, we had some, we had some good group, uh, Yeah, no, we had a great squad. Darren Nichols, who he, he made his debut two years ago as well. We, he played on that side with us too. So I think we ended up having nine guys going to play in our ultimate squad. So pretty, um, pretty good little conversion rate. Um, my second year there, I, I injured myself. I did a bit of a nerve, a bit of nerve damage in my leg. I wasn't playing for. About eleven or twelve weeks, and coming back in the season, my coach was like, "Mate, are you going to play?" <laughs> so I went and checked out with the doctor and said, "Mate, I should play." He's like, "Yeah, test me." He goes, "Yeah, you're right. Should have test. Should have approached me four weeks ago and got this clear." Anyway, my coach sat me down and he goes, "Mate, what, what do you want to do with footy?" And he said, "Oh, look, I want to play in the NRL." He goes, "Look, NRL is not for everyone, um, but he goes, why don't you use footy as an opportunity to see the world?" I said, "Oh." No faith, but all right. Um, yeah. He must have just not have thought what I, I'd had what it, what was required to play. So, or he just thought I didn't have it at that time. So I said, all right, I put that one in the, the back of my head. Um, and uh, a couple of weeks later, I actually got the opportunity to play reserve grade um, against the Warriors against Sunny Fire and a few um, like Rain Cuckoo, like old war horses. Yeah, for the Warriors. Um, Actually, Sammy Moe, I remember watching a, watching a, a game, a highlight of Sunny Fire playing, and Sammy Moe said, do not ever run straight at this bloke because he was smashed. <laughs> he was basically like the next Sunny Bill coming up on the scene. It's a stupid me off a tap. Just ran it straight at him and got destroyed. So, <laughs> a little birth of fire <laughs> for me. There's the ego. Yeah, but that sort of, I don't know, I, I love testing myself. I remember 2008, Room Wiki having a hit up against um, a CSO Iola. 
Um, yes. One of my favourite carries of all time, just coming off the back fence, full just screaming and charging. That that carry was the year before he actually did that. But um, he, I don't know, just inspired me. I said, oh, well, if I'm going to send, I'm going to go full tilt <laughs> at whatever's in front of me. So I always love I always love that. It's a big challenge. So. I used to practice as a kid. I'd go down the beach and just run as hard as I possibly could at the biggest waves I could find, just little shoreys so I could get yeah. some purchase on the ground. I'm just scared of sharks. I don't really like going out in the deep. But um, I would run as hard as I possibly could at, at waves and just try and, try and break them or get broken one or the other. I didn't really care, but that was my that was my training as a kid. Just used to run at waves That's as hard it. as I possibly could. I still do it now just for a laugh, just so if I still can do Steve, it. Steve's still, still got it. The skill is still in there. Uh, so I ended up spending four years at, at Tigers in reserve grade with no prospect at all. I think we trained with NRL once and I was like by a late invite. So in my head, I was like, stuff you blokes. I'm, um, I'm going to have to test myself elsewhere. And I still, in 2011, uh, one of our managers there, he had a brother-in-law living in France and assistant coaching in a, in a team called, um, was it? what was it? The Bears. It was... Um, Saint Garens, Lazur, I think it was the I think they're the Bears. Yeah. Um and invited me to come over. I said, Oh mate, we need a front row, you wanna come over and play? I said, Here's my chance. My my old coach, James Shepherd, his assistant out Dragon said, I'm gonna go mate, you know, see the world. He's pleased to see the world. So took that up and uh landed myself in the south of France with Nathan Ross. We both flew over together on the plane. So the Ross told from Newcastle just retired a couple of years ago too. I don't know, he, he retired last year, so the two of us. Late comer too, hey. He made a yeah, late both of us. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I got a little little story on him later I'll touch on. So we um Rossi and I both flew over together. He was a his top try score for Burley Bears, I think in 2010, 2011. Unfortunately, like just didn't get a get a crack in NRL there either. So we both had these chips in our shoulders and like stuff this we we'd love to to play in the NRL. We actually spoke about it one day. We were sitting on the floor of his couch. He's Mrs. My Mrs. They're real good mates. Um, well, they met over there. They get on, on like a house on fire. So Rossi and I and um, Nikkei and Mel were just bumming around in the house one day and probably just sitting on a couple of reds and some, some fromage, some cheese or something like that. Just having a red crackers and that. Anyway, Rossi and I were just sitting on the floor looking at them and I was like, well, reckon it'd be pretty sick one day to go back and play in the NRL. I just we just had we had this conversation after we've had like just chuckles that we actually had sort of envisioned doing that and I think it was four three or four years later we we both debuted about five rounds apart he was that's cool. uh around twenty six twenty fifteen and I was around four twenty sixteen so yeah wow um and funny enough I think we retired about five rounds apart as well so <laughs> um yeah that's a that's awesome. What's the experience like being in France? Because I've heard you either love it or you hate it. Well, I loved it. Um, Mel and I both loved it. Rossi only came in for one year. Um, I'm lucky in that in terms of the language, I think most people may dislike it if they don't understand complexities of languages. Yeah. Um, my dad's Fijian, so I obviously, obviously, as a young kid, I'd had exposure to um, yeah. different languages. In Fiji, we've got fourteen different dialects as well. So okay, not right. only do you have to speak your own language, you have to also speak your your village's language. Um, 
part of your neighboring village's languages so their language within their language yeah. um I've, I've only learned a lot of this of late but i was exposed to it as a kid so that helped me understand um just know, differences in how to express tone in a language and just how to roll sounds like the fijian r is like a it's a real sort of throaty like a like a drum that's a it's an R in Fijian and in French is like ugh, ugh. you have yeah, to yeah. just knowing those little differences helps you helps you get by like I remember Nathan and I we woke up we both we were jet lagged as hell and we we messaged each other he was living about 100 meters from me and I said mate are you awake and he said yeah, mate, I can't sleep he said oh, let's go get a coffee we're in the middle of France we didn't even know where we were we were just thrown in this house the night before we just walked we just walked we just chucked our clothes on and walked and France, like stuff, it's not like Australia. Like, you know, you can go get coffee at five in the morning because there's, there's a real yeah. blue collar sort of work class here that have to sort of get fed as well. So the coffee shops will open at five and the, the day starts at like four or five. In France, stuff don't open till like seven o'clock. Like everyone, yeah. seven to 10. Oh, I have the siesta and culturally it's a tad different. But so Ross and I, all right, let's go get a coffee. So I walked to the coffee shop. I looked at each other like, Man, how do we order a coffee? I don't know. <laughs> so Rossi, so back and forth, we were like walking, like we, we brushed the first one because we, we just didn't know what to say. And we got to the next one and said, oh, you do it, you do it, because he's a bit more ballsy than I am. So <laughs> we just walked out of the camera and was like, coffee, coffee, coffee. No accent, no nothing. And French accent is real sort of like monotonous. It's yeah. sort of that. So it's, um, in terms of learning that, oh, look, we look like idiots our first try. So I thought, okay, I have to, there has to be some sort of application and learn done here prior to me going to speak to Because in, in France, with the language, it's um, it's try or, or they, like, a lot of the times they'll sort of brush you, which can be which can be disheartening. And a lot of times I've found that they laughed at us. Like they'll laugh in your face. Like if you're in Australia and you get a foreigner come to you and say, oh, where is the opera yeah. house? You wouldn't laugh in their face. You're just pointing them in the right direction where they need to go. Whereas in France, I found that uh, I'm sure it's just their, their custom stuff. They they would um they'll just laugh at you, and then maybe help you a little bit of what, and so you walk away more confused than were than you were before you got there. So I can see why it it is it's it can be a sort of a disheartening to some people, but um no man, we love this. Oh, it's it's way more worse in Paris. In Toulouse, yeah. Toulouse is the the manufacturer of Airbus, the, the aeroplane company. So most people will either speak English or know enough English, especially all the working people because there's so many expats there. Yeah. That you go into a shop and say, oh, like you battle through your, through your menu. Oh, can I please order a pizza? Um, pizza, like you say it. And they're like, they'll listen to you for a minute. And they go, mate, you, oh, not mate. I'll say, you can just speak English if you prefer, but they'll, They'll, yeah. they'll laugh and just watch you battle through it for the first yeah. first couple of minutes. So make sure you have a crack. You, you at, yeah, just have a crack because and that you get they get they ultimately respect you. I found the same thing with Fiji. You speak some Fijian, just like most places. Yeah, you, you just dive right in and show them that you're willing to, to give their language a try. I find if you're someone who doesn't try um, to speak their their language, then they'll be they'll be off you and probably less likely to help you. So dive right in learn before you go learn as much as you can i used to work at a high school and, uh, as a teacher's aide before i i moved over to france and uh i was lucky enough mostly arabic speaking a couple of the older egyptian um teachers there 
Okay. Uh, with the Arabic base, they spoke a lot of French too. So they taught me a, a oh, couple wow. of words and a couple of, and even speaking Arabic, um, the, well, it was predominantly, it was a 90, 97% Muslim high school. I was teaching at Punchwell Boys High School, which is one of the best jobs I ever had. Um, but when the boys try to spray, you've got to try and catch them. You had to have a sharp ear because they'd swear at you in Arabic. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the, you wouldn't know, but unless you knew, and then I'd, I'd catch, I'd call them out on it. But it, lucky for me, learning that little skill, they, um, you get, you get ultimate respect from, from day dot. Look, I'm probably a big imposing figure to start with, but if I can speak their language too, it's a hack. Like it's, you're not, uh, you're not the kind uh, of teacher you have at school. <laughs> oh yeah. One kid tried to try to bridge up me, up to me on day one. Uh, and look, I'm not, a, I'm not much of a fighter. I actually zero fighting skill whatsoever. So in my head, I was like, you can't back down. You have to hold your granny. Otherwise you're down the water. <laughs> so yeah. I stood my ground. Um, but yeah, from then on, here's my mind. Um, and it was sweet. So earned the respect and then learned a lot of the language because the boys spray each other in Arabic all the time. Okay. Um, little language cues though, that, that all helped um, for the French stuff. It was yeah, cool little learns and it, it um, made my French experience much better. On top of that, all the footy calls were all in French too. Like we had um, French coach, predominantly French team. So you, you had to know all the, all the French, um, yeah, sure. words and especially numbers. A lot of our, a lot of our plays were all just numbers. So, um, yeah, you had to, that's, that's an interesting learn in itself. Like a, 100%. an 80 in French is catch your Ven dis, which is basically 420, um, 10. It's, oh, sorry, catch your Ven is, is 420. It's like, yeah, it's confusing, but confusing to an English speaking person, but, yeah, look, intricacies of languages are interesting. They're, they're cool in themselves. And uh, I'm glad I learned as much as I did in my Fijian and stuff before I went. But I thoroughly loved the experience. And I was lucky enough to win two comps with um, with Toulouse. Uh, we won the French Cup, uh, the French Cup, which our club had never done before in the 75-year history of the, of the comp. And um, uh, I think it was about a month later, we, we got to take out the, the title of the French elite comp as well in 2014. So that was just after playing in the World Cup with Fiji in 2013 as well. So it was a pretty, pretty cool year. I was lucky enough to make the French team of the year too. So it's awesome. Um, yeah, I remember the, my, the last day I sort of signed out of Toulouse and packed up all my stuff to go. Uh, one of the girls there who ran the, so the, the women's team as a side job, they would, um, they coached the junior kids and they, they had a little school group with them. And I was walking out. And they were like, oh, there goes, there goes Alonie, um, the champion of France. And I was like, oh, that's a pretty cool little sentiment that's cool. to, that's a cool title and note to leave on. So, yeah, look, I, I'm going to claim that for I'm the champion 100%. of France. So. <laughs> Put that in the Instagram bio, brother. <laughs> yeah, what <might I? laughs> The one time. Oh, two times. Sorry, two times champion of France. It's cool. 100%. And so when you've come back to Oz, were you coming back knowing where you were headed? Or was it just, okay, I need to get home now? No, look, money over there in the in the in league is look rugby union is like ridiculous amounts of money. Like yeah. I spoke to Cisco Wonger and he was earning like thirty five grand, thirty five thousand euro a month or something like that. Like just yeah. ridiculous money. Like, um, which in look our French, I think it was like sixteen hundred euros a month or something like that, that they were paying us, and uh, which is which is good money over there apparently compared to all the boys. In compared to Australian dollars, like 
stuff for me. Like it's fairly enough to get, get yeah. you by. But look, we we Mel and I would save enough money um, to go on holidays and stuff at the end of our, each season. Uh, and we just knew, like, look, we're, we're not going to get ourselves ahead on this kind of money. So we thought, look, at some point we're going to have to go back to Australia um, and start our lives in 2014 with the the winning the double, as the boys like to call it. We uh, the two comps. We thought oh, that's probably a good. Good note to leave on and um, yeah. get back to Oz and start our life. So, uh, the the I spent six years at Tigers. I spent four years in reserve grade there with no real prospect of playing in the I still had a, a, a desire, like a heavy desire, to play. I thought, all right. I said to myself, all right, if I don't make it, at least I'm going to know that I went down swinging with every single ounce of me that that was yeah. that, that was within me. So, 2013. Um, no, I mean 2011. Robo was coaching Catalans, and I actually bumped into him. He had he had one of his players in his his system who lived in Toulouse, and rather than doing the commute down to Perpignan, he just stayed playing in in his um, in his hometown in Toulouse. So he he played with us, but whenever Catalans would need him, he would go play there. So Robo's wife is from Toulouse, so he would come up and visit the family, but would catch up with his players in his nice. system in our system. So bumped into him in the sheds one day. Just said hello and um, yeah, the boys explained it. A couple of the boys had been coached by him in the past and said, "Oh, who he was and what kind of bloke he was." And I just, yeah, it's pretty cool to, to meet him. And then later he would, uh, I think, later that year, he'd signed with the Roosters to go to Roosters. Um, I don't know where the hell I was going with that, but um, can I interject quickly on that and say, "Of course, man, get the gold." Sorry, interject whenever you need I, to. I think. <laughs> I'm a rambler. In the next, no, I'm the same, brother. I'm the same, so I like it. I think in the next 10 years, when Robert, Robbo calls it a day, I'm pretty confident that that guy will be the best coach to grace the game. I don't, I don't know if there's right. anyone as – he just seems like he's got a great relationship with the players. The team that like – like I said, I'm, I'm a big Chook supporter. I thought coming into this season, you know, some big changes to the side, especially with, you know, Cooper retiring and – putting in a new seven, man, like, just, I don't know, like everything he touches turns to gold, Robbo. And don't get me wrong, those players are talented players and hardworking humans, but it just looks like the side can keep getting better and better. I think it will. And he's, he's a very smart human. He's not just a good coach. He's a very, very good coach, very good human. But he's very forward thinking. He's, whatever you guys think of him, whatever anyone thinks of him, he's 10 steps ahead of, of everyone. So, yeah. um. He, I, I don't think he'll ever stop coaching, to be honest. He'll, he'll, he'll keep coaching yeah. to the day that he dies. He loves it that much. So That's good. Um, the only thing I could see him going into would be possibly a, the business world because the way that he runs Roos is exactly how he would run a business and he's very okay. good at that. So, um, what book was it? Um, so you met and then you you come. Yeah, I, I was going to touch on something that I found on, on Robo. Um, he's got he had this little library that he had for us, and he's got a uh, a book on his shelf called Good to Great, and um, how to build a, a great company. Basically, so after reading that book, he actually wrote a lot of his notes in it. And um, though the companies in that book are, are some outstanding companies in the in the world in their own field, that's how they became. Yeah. There's a certain a set criteria you gotta you gotta meet to, to be within that book. And he will definitely um 
take roosters. I mean, they're already at that level, but that's like the, that's like his entry point. So I think you're still going to see massive amounts of growth and change within himself and the way that he does things. And he'll be the he'll be the tone setter for for league for years to come. And I think the sooner more teams adopt to the way that sort of they do things, because he, look, he's always two steps ahead of the game. He he foresees that. Where the where the game is going, and we'll um, yeah. I, don't know, I, I have massive respect for him. One for um, giving me a, an opportunity, but seeing the way that he operates up close is um is a spectacle in itself. And um, look, you, you probably haven't even scratched the surface on him yet. The, the surface on him yet. Sorry, he um, you're gonna see. <laughs> I don't know. He'll pull something out that no one saw coming, and yeah. will change the game again and again and again and again. He'll. I don't. He looked up to um, Jack Gibson. Very much so, and yep. he was a game changer in his own right back in the day. And he'll, he'll he's going to be an evolved version of that. That's awesome. I'm really excited to see what he what he does in the future. I always say, whenever I see like I know Rooster started poorly and um, this season, but for him that's just like, that's that's a learning curve and massive learning curve, and he usually steps out of it much worse. Way. So you see him come. Out, like outside of the top four at some point for him mate he's exactly expect himself and yeah just just wait to see whatever else he brings out because he's got a, a, a big trick bag that he can pull stuff out of so um sorry we digress there yeah um well I'm I'm confused and where I'm at but yeah just shoot mate and I'll, I'll fire yeah so there. so you, you come back home and then obviously you get I know I know you're playing at Wyong which ended up becoming the, the feeder squad for the Chooks. And then that yep. opportunity comes up to to train one day a week with the Roosters. Hey. Yeah. Uh, I, I was lucky enough to get a bit of exposure in playing alongside Petro and Ashton Sims and Tarek Sims and Corbin Sims. And with the boys in Fiji in 2013, um, got to play in that World Cup. Um, and for me to be able to do that, I had to come back and, be playing reserve grade, so I uh, went came back to one. So what I'll do is I'd play a season in France. Yep. That season to finish in May, fly home and finish the season with Wyom. So. Uh, hey, wow. So you're putting um, out some got serious. A, got an opportunity to have a run at, at Wyong in 2013. Yeah. Um, I would. I mean, 20. I played the 20. 2012-13 season in France. Came back, finished the 2013 season in Australia. Flew back to France to play four rounds before the World Cup. Played the World Cup in 2013. Um, then played, then went straight back to France after that to start our season. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah, the season already started. It was mid-season you played the World Cup. Played the 2013-14 season in France. Won that. And then went back to Toulouse, uh, sorry, back to Wyong and finished the 2014 season, which which was really lucky there. I got to, my body was busted at that point. I played a solid 16 or 17, maybe 18 months of footy. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 just two tacks on the body. My body was shot. Um, and I was lucky enough to play alongside Mark O'Mealy um, that year, so I learned a, yeah. a hell of a lot of stuff about legend. about footy. Mate, he's a proper legend. Like everyone just calls him the ogre and thinks he's because of his the way that um he's portrayed by a lot of people he's always he's the ogre but he's actually a very very smart man very 
very very beautiful man like a like genuine heartfelt person who go out above and beyond um himself to to help others so um that i learned so much after playing alongside him and taught me just little intricacies about footy and front being front rower him and petro they both taught me a lot um <laughs> it's pretty funny now looking back at it all i'm actually sitting in my in my uh my childhood room actually when i was a kid under that bed there, oh, have a little yeah yeah just our mum's house back at home now but I'm, my mum's got the kids while I'm, I'm here and under my bed i used to have this whiteboard and I, one day i'm gonna play in the nrl and then um funny enough it came to fruition and got to play alongside i remember as a kid went to watch roosters broncos play and watching petro take a kickoff against the chooks and just destroying people just stealing them and um and a couple of years later, I got to play alongside him. I think it was 10 years later, I was playing alongside him. So it's pretty cool. Um, that's, yeah, that's awesome. I got, shit. Oh, sorry, wine. All right, wine and roosters. Um, 2015, um, roosters jumped on board. They needed, a, they wanted to um, capture the Central Coast as their junior development sort of base. Um, and took Wyoming as their reserve grade side to have a direct funnel from under sixes right up to NRL. Um, it's a big catchment area. It's, a, it's much bigger than a lot of catchment areas in Sydney. So, um, so I've actually still got with the Central Coast Roosters. So it's a pretty cool little system that they developed. And, um, I hope to see. I'm actually Matt Ikavala on the weekend. Just scored five tries for Roosters. Mate, what? Out of that system. So how good's that? Hey, eh? was it? I was sitting there watching that, thinking for a guy that was told he was playing an hour ago to score yeah, five tries. I'm pretty. I, I'm, I don't know if I'm getting this right, but I heard. Like, is it eight minutes into warm-up or eight minutes to go in warm-up? Um, one of the Morrises, I'm not sure which one, sorry. With Brad, yeah. His groin. Yeah. And um, <laughs> Icky said, yeah, mate, you're in. And then to, to do that, it's um, I, I can't remember the quote that Robbo said, but I think it was something along the lines of um, working the shadows to, to, shine in the, to shine in the light. So something yeah. along the lines of that, it's... Um, and Paddy Lane, our strength coach, sent me a couple of videos of, of Icky power cleaning 140 kilos or something like something, just, just smashing records in the gym. So yeah, that's awesome. to do that step up on, on that stage is... But well, look, he's another product of that, that Wyong system. So Icky came to us from Manly after being a Central Coast junior. Um, and Robert took a liking to him and was lucky enough to, to get his crack. He's played 15 games of NRL now. Um, yeah, that, that pathway is, is, is pretty cool. 2015, we, we went on to make the grand final, um, which we lost to Newcastle in a shit part of a memory for me. Um, just, we weren't on that day. Um, we had some good staffs. Um, Abraham Papali is one of the biggest humans of all time. So Waimatangi is one of the, the toughest people to come out in New Zealand, I, I feel. Um, taught me a lot. Um, we we lost that grand final, but lessons learned there. Um, it, was a, it was a great year by us. Um, I think I made team of the year that year, the front row too. Something which I never sort of got to achieve at Tigers. I think I made team, awesome. team of the week once when I was at Tigers, and made, when I went to Wyong, made team of the year three times. I think over the six years that I was That's there. That's unreal. So pretty cool little know, transition. Um, yeah, Roosters took us on. In 2016, uh, 2015 to 16, sort of preseason started. Robbo, um, I just went on holidays to Fiji and started working full time on the council, which is you know, so the jobs come up 
every sort of five five-ish years or so. So they're not it's not all that often that they come up. So Council's I just got the job, gig, isn't it? I looked. At, the reason why I do the job is, is job and finish, mate. No, no one wants to pick up a shitload of garbage, but look, the the benefits of the job is you get to you work four hours and get paid for eight if you're a loader on the back of the truck. So that's that's the gamble okay. that I took on that. So, and for me, that sort of that paid off in a way. Um, physically, it's probably it's probably taxing, but I thought, no, nah, I can handle it. I actually lost nine kilos when I started on there. Um, the first first two months I think I started working I lost nine kilos so I was 110 kilo front row and dropped down to 101 pretty quick because of the meter gels covering at work um, and the, the amount of tonnage I was lifting as well but I might have to get a job on the back of the truck mate because I'm trying to get the rig in shape for summer so I have this I have this I actually have this idea like a, people want him to lose weight I, I, it's always in the back of my head I'm like how could I work this in a way to um I guess help people. Like, it's 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 actually a pretty fun job. I mean, once you get the technique down pat, you you get pretty efficient at it, and it's it's just like it's just running fitness, mate. It's kind of a every street you knock off. There's yeah, it's like, um yeah, it's just I I just tinker over in my head. I'm I'm thinking, mate. I'm always trying to tinker and play with ideas in my head. I'm like, how could I how could I develop some sort of a, a system of values to help people that want to lose it like lose some weight or get, get sort of summer ready. Um, anyway, yeah. um, I like it, mate. Thinking yeah, so. brain. It's good. <laughs> so, where were we at? Um, oh, that gave me a shitload of fitness, like running fitness. I'd had a, I did a shitload of Ks in, in terms of running. And uh, Rich's offer come around. It wasn't even an offer. There was, I was in Fiji doing some, some work with Fiji footy and on a holiday as well. And uh, with, with our Wyong stuff, and they were in contact with me because I was in Fiji saying, oh, look, Roosters want to be keen to take you on one day a week. So I um, I said, yeah, I'm keen, but look, I've, I've just got this job. Like it's a well, once in a lifetime, but like a, a good opportunity for me to be able to juggle work-life balance pretty well because uh, working for four hours and getting paid for eight, is that's a pretty big win. So, what time do you start in the morning? Um, 4.30, 4.30. Okay. So... If you're yeah, a runner, like okay. some days, some days you can be done by sort of seven o'clock. So, okay. if you see me jumping around in the water at seven in the morning, it's probably because I've finished work, and most people are not even out of bed starting their work day yet. So, look, that was the gamble that I took in going for that job. It's, it's shit and it's hard, but it's it's not a shit job. It's it's a shit hard job, but the benefits are you you're done <laughs> pretty early in the day. So yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, with the case and about from that. It actually helped me at the stack. I knew when I went to Roosters, my skill set was pretty low in terms of um, elite level footy player. So I said to myself, all right, what can I win here? Um, actually, it was it's just the first day of fitness. I was like, oh, I'm actually winning this. So, all right, whenever there's a fitness thing, I'll just win that. So I just ran as hard as I possibly could. And the tough thing was, oh, I mean, none of the boys were known, but I'd already run sort of 8Ks that morning. So... So you're covering what that much distance? At work. Yeah, yeah. It's between six and eight Ks a run. Wow. About six, seven hundred bins, maybe more. Dead set. I've got my, uh, I use my Garmin here. I usually track most of my, most of my okay, runs. That's awesome. Um, when I'm not driving. So even as a driver, you cover about four Ks. So. Um, 
I've literally stopped and started. Like it, it tracks you while you drive, but I, I've literally spent the time stopping and starting my watch every time I jump in and out of the truck to to track me like running around the truck and helping yeah, the boys load. So, and that's about four k's as a runner. So even for the days I wasn't um, running on the back, I'm still covering some k's before. So what I do is I'd, I'd finish work at about eight thirty in the morning. The boys would be doing video between nine and ten. So depending on where my day finished, I'd usually. Um, just ring Robbo and say, mate, I'm, I can make it. I'm coming. He, he said, just ring me if you're not going to be able to make it. So um, I would just literally chuck everything in the car, drive straight to footy train, pull up, jump out of the car, whack on my um, training kit, put on my footy boots, and then run across the road straight into conditioning wherever we're at. Robbo's like, mate, are you ready to go? And I was like, oh, I'll just do a lap around the field and then I'll be ready. I'll just usually just jump straight in and and just have a crack at the opportunity that I've been waiting so long for. Is about 100%. And you slog for, for just a crack. So I wasn't going to let, let, let a little bit, then a little bit cold slow me down. So 100%. Yeah. yeah. And then so, so you, the, the you took it on your own back to train more, right? That's right. Yeah. So he sort of said to me, I'll come in on our Thursdays. The Thursday was a, was a quieter day for us in that 2016 season, the preseason. And um, I just think he didn't want to overwhelm me. So he said to me, I. After a week, I said to my my coach, my wine coach, Rip Taylor, and I said, "Mate, I can I can handle these weeks. I can I can make this work." I said, "Should I just go in?" And he goes, "Oh, I wouldn't do that, mate. I'd, I'd ring him and just run it by him first. So I did that, ran it by him when I oh, sorry, I didn't I didn't ring him and do it. I just let that week pan out, which is pissing me right off. It was like I'm missing sessions here of, of potential sort of upskilling myself. So the next week came along. I had to wait till the next Thursday. So I was sitting sweating on it for a whole week. Um, I wish I had just rang you now and asked him. It would have, been, it would have saved me a week of my life. Um, loved up that day. Got through training good. I pulled him aside in the training. I said, mate, look, I don't know this would work, but would I be like, my day finishes, I finish work around about the time you guys start on the field. Do you reckon I could just come in after work? And he goes, look, I've seen guys do it. Robert goes, mate, I've seen guys do it and then buckle themselves pretty badly. So, if you want to give it a shot for, for a month or so, I'm, I'm happy to try it with you. So on board, I said, let's do this. And uh, what was it? I think February, no, February came around, which is a sort of uh, introduction of the Jazzar Hargraves. And he's just elbowing against He goes, bro, you made it. I'm like, what? He goes, usually when you get to this point, like, you're in. I was like, nah, nah, not yet. Surely, because the preseason prior, we had Mitch Williams, our, our skipper at, at Wyong, Vahapulu, who's now at Warriors and played a shit ton of footy at Gold Coast as well, and Magnus Stronkus, our front rower at Wyong as well. They were all given the preseason, but come Christmas, they were told, mate, thanks, but we, okay. if we need you in the season, we don't need you, so so you can go back to Wyong. So I actually got to the Christmas party and I was like, this is it, okay, I'm happy I made it this far. I gave, gave it my best. I literally tried my... I don't think I could have tried any harder. I almost got thrown out the window day one by Boyd Corden in wrestling. Um, and I got knocked out at training by Napa and Boydo on the same day. Um, I thought it, it was all worth it. It was all, it was all absolutely yeah. worth it. Um, but I didn't get the tuck on the shoulder. So I was surprised come February to be... Well, sorry, a couple of weeks in January to be back there. And then there was the last, I guess, presentation was suiting up to everyone at the, the Leagues Club, East Leagues Club there. And um, again, Jezza nudged me, he goes, Ray, you made it, you're sweet. And I'm like, 
no, no, sure there's not. He goes, no, no, it's all good. You're sweet. Um, but then I was lucky. Robbo um, sort of rang me um, a week later. I was at work. He goes, mate, um, I don't know how your work would handle this, but I want you to come and play in the nines, the, the Auckland nines. And I said, oh, I don't know if I have. I was still on probation from work. Cause I didn't start. I didn't serve a six-month probation. Yeah, so. okay. Tentatively rang my boss and said, oh, mate, look, they offered me a chance to go and play in the nines. And he's like, yeah, of course, mate, just go. And Ken, he's a good good guy, my boss. Awesome. And um, said, mate, that's fine. He goes, but look, I don't know how much more of this we can keep doing. Like, you just have to make this the last one and then we'll get through your probation after. I was like, all right, sweet. I rang Robbo. He said, yeah. He goes, all right, perfect. We'll book you in. And then, so I was just doing what I was doing that day. Then he rang me back about 10 minutes later. He goes, mate, uh, would you want to come to Dubai as well and just just come over there and do a, a pre-season camp to Dubai? And I was like, oh, all right, I'll just have to ring work again. So I rang him and lucky enough got the all clear and that was sort of the start of um, heading down the actual the path of, of playing in our old, at the, I know, the, my favourite club in the world, the Roosters. So first, awesome. first stint was, um, yeah, the Nines in Auckland and then uh, Dubai. Rolling around Dubai with Nick Pilatus, which is pretty cool. So, Uncle yeah. Nick, mate, what a bloke! Legend, he's a legend, mate. Legend. Hey, t- yep. tell me about the the feeling because you were t- was at twenty eight years at years of age when you debuted for the Roosters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, feeling like? of the debut or the feeling of being twenty eight, bro. <laughs> both. Tell me about both. the feeling of being twenty eight and getting that tap on the shoulder to say, well, that call to say, hey, this week you are, you know, you're getting a crack. Yeah, so round two, uh, round one, we played against Tigers and we pumped them, I think. Um, I got some good feedback after that. And then Mac, our assistant coach, was actually the coach of England at the time, um, rang me and goes, oh, mate, they want you to be 18th man for first grade this week. I was like, what? Really? And he said, yeah. Craig Fitzgibbon. Oh, sorry, Craig Fitzgibbon. A week or two before that, thing, he goes, mate, keep going. You're a chance of playing first grade here. So, oh, that surprised me so much. And I, because I, I honestly thought I was no chance at all. I thought, if anything, I might be lucky enough to get an eighth man one day. But, um, yeah, so I still didn't believe anyone. Uh, round two, but went down to uh, Canberra. It was eighth man that, that game. Jack should have taken a field goal. And one up first, but didn't got hammered by Robert. Um, and round three, went up to Cowboys, uh, North Queensland, their old stadium. And Henderson unfortunately snapped his leg that game uh, in our loss to the Cowboys. But that sort of opened up a slot for me. I didn't even think of anything of it at the time. I didn't think I was any chance. The Tuesday, come to Tuesday, we flew back. Uh, we flew back home. Come to Tuesday training, I did what I usually did my normal work day get up, go to work, come into training late. I got to the field late and all the boys started sort of, I remember Skidzy just like elbowing me and like laughing at me. And I was like, oh, that's a bit weird. <laughs> anyway, um, got through the day and the boys were like sort of just like real jovial towards me and like overly like, I don't know, just boysy to me. Anyway, um, that day we had wrestle and our wrestle was super intense, like super, super intense. You have to be on all the time. And Robo kept, I didn't always come to wrestle, but this day he was there. So I was like, mm, okay, I'm just going to have to look. It's not that I didn't train super hard at wrestle, but like that day I was like, whenever your dad's watching, you know, you always perform that little bit. 100%. Better, so. 
that, sorry, I don't mean my dad. Like I mean like that type of figure. So yeah, yeah I was just was really on point with all my stuff and just just tried on an extra hard scrub set eyes on me. Um, uh, after the session and our, our rest sessions so like they were real tougher and you're always buckled after rest sessions so me there's me Siwa Kane I think Isaac Lee we were just sitting downstairs after just shooting shit talking crap and smack about each other and Robert sort of like walks through the gym comes over he's like can I talk to you I was like yeah pulls me over to the side I was like um, mate are you ready I was like ready for what he goes I'm going to play this week and I was, I was just like, yeah, I was just purely stunned, mate. I, I didn't even know what to say. I was just, I think I said, thanks. And like inside, I was like exploding because I'd waited so long for an opportunity. Of course. Yeah, I mean, like, it's 2003. I said to myself and, a, and a, a girl mate of mine, at the time, we just watched Fiji lose the um, World Cup quarter final, I think, and against um, Scotland. It was actually, at, funny enough, at Allianz Stadium. Repenting that, that was my hero as a kid. Um, scored two hectic tries for Fiji, and when Fiji lost, I said, "That one day I'm going to, you know, sort of represent Fiji and do myself and my family proud." And it was that sort of moment, I guess, when Robert said that and sat down and said that to me, it was, yeah, all. What a cool of, experience! That's something you'll never yeah, forget, and I, right? And to to know that you had the resilience to get there. It's like, funny enough, the, the ground where I played was at Allianz as well, where I, the day that I watched and made that sort of commitment to myself was where I got to um, live out that sort of dream. So it was really cool that I got to come for. So, <laughs> and funny enough, playing alongside Petro and where I first saw Petro face-to-face take those hit-ups was in that, the same corner where I think I made my first tackle. I think it was on George DeFore or someone. Um, That's a good tackle to make too, brother. That guy runs us like a brick wall. Yeah, I got to tackle, like, on look, my NRL career is not great, but I've got to tackle a few dudes one-on-one, like Roger, two of us are Sheck, Greg Inglis, like, I somehow, like, and it was funny, in the tackle, I was like, I was on top of him, like, man, I just tackled, like, the, one of the best players in the world. Like, I had to do yeah. all this study on bloody Roger because I had to know which which foot he was. Uh, I think he's a, he's a soft right and a real hard left. So one day we're playing against Warriors and he, he scooted outside me to my left. And I'm like, um... I'm like, yes, I got him. He's got no right foot step. So, kids, do your study of your opposition. So, I was like, all right, Roger can't step me real hard on my inside. So, I can actually attack him harder with my defense here. And uh, I just, I got him and got him, pinned him on his back. It was a one tackle. And I was like, I just thought one of the best players in the world. This is outstanding. All, the, all, the, all those little reps somewhere along the way came in handy. So, 100%. Um, yeah, like, yeah, it was cool. That's awesome. And, and obviously you, you come across, I guess, what is a huge talking point for most people in the NRL these days, especially with the science behind it, you come across the issue of, of concussion and a few, I think 15 concussions in your career and 10 of those happening in the last 12 months of, of your footy career. What's that like? Yep. Just, just coming to terms with that and the fact that it's happening more consistently and you know, it's, it's probably going to put sort of pull your footy career up to a bit of an abrupt ending. All right. Um, look, we play one probably the hardest sport in the world, and the hundred percent athletes just continue to get faster, bigger, stronger. So, look, the, there's no way of decelerating a brain. So you're gonna you're gonna come across that. Um, I think that they're currently doing as as good a job as they possibly can. It's still a, a very very grey area. So 
we're going to learn the science as we go. Um, look, Mel and I are considering, oh, we're 90% sure I'm putting our son in, that the reason I had to retire was due to concussion. So we're like, do we want to expose our son to that? At the same time, um, and you can trip over in the street and knock yourself out with a yeah. real bad concussion. Or, like, it's, it's hard. It's a very gray area. The, it's still in its infancy, the science. So look, I, I hope in the next five to 10 years, you come up with some solutions to the problems. But at the same time, what do we do? We just sit on our hands and not have any sport altogether. I mean, people are going to get hurt. Exactly. Like I said, walking down the street. So it's, um, in terms of it abruptly ending the career, yeah, look, that really sucked. I, I still, I, I still have all the little footy habits ingrained in me in terms of like, oh, if I'm running around my gym and someone's on the floor, I'll like left foot, right foot, step. <laughs> like, yeah. I still want to play footy. My body's, my body's, is good to go, but it's I can't risk hurting my head anymore. So, I mean, yeah, it sucked that it ended the way that it ended, and I still had plenty left in me. But um, sometimes yeah, one door closes and others open. I mean, it's my my granddad sent me down and said, mate, look. You've had a pretty good run. In terms of injuries, I was pretty lucky. I, all I did, the worst thing I had was probably a medial and maybe some nerve damage in my leg. Um, my fingers and hands are pretty bashed up. But apart from that, no real major injuries. Um, I've got to achieve a lot of things that not many people will get to achieve on and off a sporting field through the game. So why not um, yeah, pursue other endeavours in life and get those sorted now? So yeah, look, it's... It was it was shit that it ended that way. Um, I, I was lucky enough to bump into Daniel Vita, who's sort of probably looking at being yeah. one of the next sort of rock type figures of the of the WWE. And I was booked on a plane to fly out. Um, I think it was the third of November, and I did speak to the. I, I just thought, look, I'll just lay all data out on the table and see what they say. And unfortunately for me, at, at I think it was two thirty in the morning, due to head to the airport at four. They said, "Oh no, mate, we're gonna have to knock you, knock you back on coming over and being in the WWE." So, yeah, I was I was scheduled for a trial over there. Spent a couple of days in Orlando in the the training center. But look, nah, such is life, mate. I love love a chance, but look, that's that's a pretty lethal sport. Sorry, not lethal, like tough sport in itself. Like one wrong move and a twist, and like that could be it for me. Like disconnected brain stem or something. They're yeah. they're awesome athletes. The way they do it, but yeah, it's you have to be highly rehearsed and doing all that stuff. Like one little wrong move, what twist can be pretty much fatal. Yeah. Some of the stuff that they do, so they're they're putting on a show. They're definitely showmen, but it's um, it's a uh, yeah, tough sport and unfortunate for me, <laughs> something I couldn't partake in. But it's still cool just even to be considered. So um, I'll just run with that for now. Is <laughs> hey, is, for WWE Kennedy. <laughs> definitely is that the I guess the motivation behind Ninja Warrior and how that come about that, I guess that want almost like a want, but also a need to competitively push yourself on, on a big arena. Uh, yeah, look, I always want to push myself on a big arena, but from, look, to be honest, the Ninja stuff, I was lucky it came about through, through footy. Um, yeah. Gal and I both had the same manager and um, they, Asked Gal to jump on, um, and uh, the guys at the Titan, our, our management sort of firm, said, "Look, Gal's pulled out. Do you want to jump on?" I said, "Oh, yeah, of course. That's, why would I not want to do something like that?" Look, as a kid, I was always inspired by the big action figure hero type um, characters, 
on Fijian, I'm always going to be Fijian, biased. Vulcan on Gladiators in Australia formed before the 1993. Yeah. got big enforcers on the show. A big Fijian guy. He's actually got a gym down in Menai. Um, and I did get to meet him a couple of years ago. And he, he actually came up to me and said, G'day, that was really, really cool. It's a surreal experience. It's like, man, I used to watch you on the TV all the time. Anyway, seeing that show as a kid, I said, if I ever get an opportunity to do something like that, I'm taking it hands down 100%. No, no doubt in my mind that I'm doing that. So, look, when you see me on the Ninja stuff, I'm that six-year-old kid watching Gladiators. I'm just a kid at the monkey bars thinking to myself, can I jump and grab that fifth monkey bar out yeah. in front of me? I'm, I'm literally just a... A big kid. I am the world's biggest kid to start with, but on those on those stages, I, the arena thing goes out the window. I'm just like, this is a challenge. Can I do it? This is cool. And then throwing the TV and the lights and the crowd and stuff, it becomes an arena. But I'm literally a six year old kid up there. So, um, and I think that's the way you have to live life. Too. You have to just, I think, never say you're old because once you start saying you're old, you you start to die inside. Um, just always be childlike, mate. Just approach everything like a child and. Yeah, you have to be, mate. You have to be. I've got look. I've got four kids myself, which keep me a child myself. So, um, look, I'm the world's biggest six year old. And the arena is cool, but to me, the challenge is, is even cooler. Um, is it daunting? Even planning the course? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It actually really is. So, um, I there's a, there's a place called Ninja Playground which I jump on and train at, but it's like the quality of the stuff is is so hot. Like it's to reproduce that is, is really tough in a, in a commercial setting. So yeah, definitely. So to reproduce the, com- the the level and detail within the, the obstacles is really hard to produce in a commercial setting. So you don't really come up. The first time you do the obstacles is usually um, on the course. So okay. you don't get a practice run. It's, it's like they demonstrate through someone doing the obstacle once and then it's... Um, and it's you just and it's up to you. Having, having a straight crack at it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's um, it's hard. It's 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 so hard. Oh, sorry. No, it's it's not so hard. It's it's hard, and it it finds you out on what you're uh, where you've lacked training. So, are you um, more prepared this year? Yeah, I'm massive, massively more more prepared. I um, I just knew where I had to strengthen. So first time I went on, I only had about. Three weeks, um, three weeks, no, six weeks notice, and about three weeks prep. So, look like anything, if you're underdone, you need caught out. So, um, I just knew how to train better this time around. So, that's awesome. Looking forward to everyone tuning in and one hundred percent. Not not just my own, but all the ninjas. Like everyone's got a story on that show. It's pretty cool. Like it's, um, everyone usually has a good backstory behind why they do what they do, and it's a, it's a different crowd, different audience. To what, to what I sort of came across in the in the footy circle, but um, the the guns on there, like they're their own community, man. They're, they've yeah, changed they my are. sort of attitude towards training, and I've got to meet some cool people on the way. There's a there's a parkour dude named um, named Dom. I think Tommaso is his last name. He's got like a million followers on Instagram. He's the man, bro. Like the way he approaches, um, well, life, but his obstacle running sort of stuff. He's, he's parkour, um, basically parkour god. Yeah, he's okay. like a, they the, always the do well on the show. Uh, no, he's not on the show, mate. I just bumped, we, we bumped okay. into each other on a shoot. He, he skates down at the skate park that I, oh, sorry, he does all these parkour stuff down at the skate park that I 
and I take my kids down to all the time. So um, the stuff that like the, his approach to training, like he'll look at a tree and go like, I can train on that tree and we'll, we'll flip through the tree, climb, jump, run and flip off the tree. Like, um, yeah. the, look, there's, there's ways to train around a heap of different things. Me hanging around with the Ninja crew changed my, like I found a, during the, all the Corona lockdowns and the gym closures, I trained basically off a building, just doing a lot of grip strength stuff. Um, yeah, just through hanging out with the, the ninja where people were, I can now look at a tree and find a way to train on a tree and expose myself to that stimulus and, and better myself. Um, and yeah, basically make the world a giant playground through, I don't know, just these cool encounters with people of different walks and uh, athletic skill sets. It's like it's pushed people outside of their comfort zone to, to get out and get active outdoors. Yeah, exactly right. I, I, I'd like to hope that a lot of people grew during the, the lockdown. I know it was a shit fight for the whole world, but... Um, can I swear? I'm not sure which way you go. What was that? Sorry? What was that? I, I missed Is that one. Do you mind if I swear? Sorry, I should have asked you that hey, an hour ago. Go, go for your life. I had Joe. <laughs> no, no, no. You know the comedian? Oh, Joe? Joe, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, he's the man, bro. I love him. Right, I had him on for episode 13, and I think there were about 10 C-bombs. So, mate, you're right to go. Yeah, for right. Me. Sweet. No, no, I probably won't drop any of those, but I could if you wanted me to, but no, I won't go there. He's the man. I hope his show goes really well when it's on in um, Sky City in Auckland. So. Right, he's, he's a very good human being. Well, honestly, yeah, outside yeah. of all the humour... He's a very good human being. He's been super supportive of this show. And, man, I'm just really appreciative that I met him when I did. Yeah, yeah. No, he's a great dude. Uh, he's, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to his growth and what he, what he presents to the world Definitely. the next year or so and then go from there from strength Definitely. to strength. Yeah. Um, the Ninja stuff, yeah, so that'll be exciting when it, when it, when it airs. Uh, I think it ends, airs at the end of the month. So, um, yeah. Have to tune in and watch that one. Non-disclosure. I'm not really able to talk about much more on that. Yeah, stuff, I can but, imagine. Um, I can imagine. Yeah. So. No, hey, one thing I want to ask you before. Yeah. Definitely. One thing I want to ask you before I let you go, because bro, we've just we've just had a real natural about hour and twenty chat here, um, which is awesome. I love it. When it's I get a guest that can talk, Perfect. bro, it's it's great. One, the last thing I want to ask you is, obviously, big family man. You've got four little ones, and you see them especially on Ninja Warrior there, I guess they're a favorite for the cameras that they're very cute looking kids. Um, talk to me about family life. Parents, what is, yeah. yeah. What does a day look like in, um, in the life my, of you guys? So Mel and I, we both pretty much work shift work. Mel, my wife, um, she's a champ. She's a trooper. She's one of the hardest, hardest working and biggest loving people on the planet. Um, she's a legend. We just flip basically. So I'll either I'll do the morning shift. Um, so she's a nurse. Um, yeah, wow. That sort of speaks for itself. She definitely um, works in palliative care um, and doing a lot of chemo treatment stuff at the moment. Um, but yeah, she's a straight trooper and, and worker. And oh, hang on, sorry, you there? Yeah, lost you. Got you back. Yeah. Um, no, she she's the uh, I'd say the boss. I'd say the organizer of the house. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty just. I just I. Not, I wouldn't say cruise through life. I float through life. Like I never really plan stuff. Whereas I was a, a big planner and make sure our days run pretty smoothly. Thanks to her, um, we've we pretty much flip and, and work around. So juggling our kids, 
Um, if you're going on a date, tonight, so that'd be that'd be good. Oh mate, look, if I had the cash, I'd probably have like, like ten. I reckon we got a name picked out for our second son, but um, yeah, no. <laughs> look for is enough. It's pretty expensive living in Sydney, so I think it's, um, right. it's expensive enough to feed yourself these days, let alone four little ones. So yeah, mate, my the, my metabolism is is ridiculous, and I have to eat a, a shit ton of food. So how many calories um, do you eat a day? Oh, I, look, to be honest, I don't count. I probably am underdone every day. Um, I think me Thanos at the start of my day is about two or two two thousand odd. Jeez, breakfast yeah. that I have, um, but I still lose so much weight. So I'm either just too active or just don't eat enough. Or probably got to eat a couple of steaks. So yeah, and I'm not looking forward to uh, five years time when my son, or well, actually my daughters, are headed that path now. Just being able to eat shit tons of food. Mel could eat a shit ton of food as well. Mel's a, Mel was a real competitive and real, actually, really, really like high level swimmer when she okay. was a kid. Um, it was in nippers and stuff, heaps as well. So always just stuff. I think she outdid me for wheat picks as a kid. Not that we sort of really eat wheat picks anymore, but she was just a pump, like know, 15 wheat picks or something like that as a kid. So yeah, she wow. could eat as well. So our kids are going to be just little eating machines. So I'm going to have to probably get another job to, get, to fund to that. So. From Woolies, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something, something. Any butchers out there, jump on board. Um, yeah, so I just need yeah, some protein there the kids off, I guess, start there and Definitely. go from there. Um, yeah, no, so yeah, oldest two are in, in, in primary school. Our boys going to start and play footy in the next sort of two weeks. And uh, what's he got? Oh, he's at preschool next year. So it's, it's, it's weird. Like the transition with kids, you go from a full house to none when they start school. So we're going to have one at home next year, which is surreal and weird to the yeah, two wow. of us. But um. Yeah, I guess we just upskill ourselves and be the best people we can for them to to turn them into good little people. Look, with our training and stuff, we we just we want them to be active and healthy kids. So we just train, expose them to as much um, training stimulus as we can. I think Gigi did. I think she did thirty push-ups yesterday. Look, I I, I try and I seen on your story, yeah, little hacks it. Yeah, mate. Yeah, she just pumped out. I think she pumped out twelve. Had a breather for a second and pumped the rest out up to thirty. So, mate, she she's a real hard trainer. Um, the others not so much, but they they've got their own little strengths and stuff. Yeah. Um, the youngest is our crazy. She just she just like learns through osmosis from the other kids. She just absorbs all the all the all the growth from the other kids. Like anything they're doing, she wants to do it with them. So um, genius in the making. Oh, I don't know about a genius, but like, <laughs> in terms of like skills, like, she sees them riding a bike. She'll jump on the bike. She'll try and ride whatever they're on. So. Ah, it's cool. We're very lucky, very blessed people to um, you know, have have the kids that we have, um, and we just try to just parent them as best as we can. So, um, yeah, just let them hurt themselves, let them fall down, let them grow, let them just be kids. Um, just yeah, to the point of growth and get good growth out, and we just want to we just want to make and shape good little people. So that's yeah, it. We're, we love being parents, and um, yeah, yeah. You can you can see that. Yeah. So congratulations on, on your little family. It helps me being the biggest kid in the world and mum being the best mum in the uh, Mel being the best mum in the world. So yeah. and we've got a good balance of um of it there for them. So look I'm the I'm the stupid kid side and 
she's the smart adult side, so um, yeah, we've got a good balance for the, the two, three, all four of them. So uh, I wouldn't say perfect, but yeah, it's some sort of a balance. <laughs> <laughs> hey, tell tell everyone where they can find you on socials because I know you know you're doing some PT stuff now. You're obviously putting up yeah. a lot of content around Ninja this year, everything that's happening yeah. in your life. So I think people are going to get something out of going over to Insta and following you. Yeah, yeah, just jump on my Instagram. And then my Instagram, just my name is just Eloni, E-L-O-N-I. Uh, Vinikeda, um, just search Eloni. Or Thanos, if you really want to look, look up a stupid handle, that's my um, my name, Thanos, named after my, uh, my shake that I have there, after the... Uh, the uh, the Marvel, the Marvel sort of antagonist yeah. there, Thanos. Awesome. So, yeah, that's, that's where you find me. Um, looking at starting a YouTube channel too, too soon. So, you get on that ASAP. So, yeah, Instagram for now. Yeah, content coming. Hey, well, if you've so, listened so to this, live. definitely. If you've listened to this, um, I'm sure you've enjoyed it because I have. It's been, it's actually been really nice to sit across from someone who can. Just have a good yarn for an hour and a half. It makes my job a whole lot easier, brother. So thank you. Um, I appreciate everyone listening as always. Continue to subscribe. Give it those five. We've got a clean sheet at the moment. All five-star ratings, which is awesome to see. And just some really beautiful reviews too, which makes this rewarding for me, um, especially while I'm doing this full-time. So super appreciative to everyone. Aloni, thank you so much, brother. I appreciate your time. Everyone go follow him and follow this man's journey. No problem at all. Tune into uh, Ninja 26th of July, please, guys, and uh, yeah, enjoy the show. Thanks for having me, mate.